Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today with Jenna Remersma. Jenna is a licensed professional counselor. She is a level three IFS therapist and certified consultant. She is the founder and clinical director of the Atlanta Center for Relational Healing, and she is the best-selling author of the book, All Together You, and she's currently working on her next book, All Together Us. Welcome, Jenna, to the podcast. Thanks, Natalie. It's great to be with you. I'm really excited for you to be here. I know just before we hit record, we were just kind of meeting each other and, and talking, and I truly am like my IFS parts, I feel like are excited that you're here. <laughs> 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 your your model, which we'll get into today of move towards has really been something that has been really helpful for me personally, and my own parts work and, and connecting. And then also, it's been such a wonderful tool and resource to give to clients that I work with, in terms of helping them connect with their parts, you know, because they're only with me for 50 minutes, right? Sometimes once a week, but a lot of the time, just twice a month. And sure. yeah, so I, I'm really appreciative of you bringing this move toward a resource to the IFS community. And I'm excited to share with the listeners and to have them listen to you for the ones that maybe aren't in the IFS world, you know, who are listening, that they can hear from you today and hopefully take away something that they can, like I said, use on their own and it be effective for them in some way of getting to know parts of themselves. I love that. That's really what it's all about, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. And I, I love asking this question of how did you get involved in the IFS world in general, or how did IFS find you? Do you care to share your story with that? Yes, it was years ago. And IFS really did find me. I was a clinician, but I had never encountered the IFS model. And someone uh, who is very close to me started doing IFS therapy. And I started seeing really profound changes happening in this person, pretty dramatic shifts. And it really got my attention. I thought, what in the world is this? But I didn't really connect clinically with IFS until I found myself sitting in a, a CEU workshop, kind of a one day overview of the model. And I was maybe 20 minutes into it and felt like I had been hit by a thunderbolt. And I, mm. my life has literally never been the same since then. Um, it, it made sense of everything for me and it has changed everything about my life personally, spiritually, professionally, clinically, uh, in every possible way, I feel deeply indebted to Dr. Richard Schwartz and this brilliant model that found him, as mm -hmm. he would describe it, 40 years ago, and is really poised to um, address the the wide scale suffering that we are experiencing right now in the world. And so I'm very passionate about it. Yeah, I, I always find that every time I ask that question, people usually respond with how you did too, of IFS definitely found me mm -hmm. and I feel similar in my mm. experience as well. And I also saw, are, is this correct that you're also trained in EMDR? 
Yes. Is that something that you were doing before IFS or was that weaved in in the midst of your IFS practice? Yeah, I was trained. I'm trained in a lot of models of therapy, EMDR, psychodrama, experiential, you name it. (laughs) And then IFS found me and what became a real passion of mine was to integrate IFS with these other phenomenal models of therapy, these other approaches, I'm very much an integration person. My first book, Altogether You, was about the integration of IFS with Christian and Catholic spirituality. Um, My upcoming book, the entire book, it's 25 chapters full of uh, integration. Each chapter is the integration with of IFS in a different, a different model of therapy, a different client base. And I think that IFS is sort of like, it can be used like a finishing salt in cooking where it Mm. makes everything just that much more rich and delicious and wonderful. So we combine IFS with EMDR and we get the best of both worlds. We get the speed of EMDR, the relational uh, attachment and attunement of IFS, and we prevent the kickback that often occurs when we do EMDR without getting, for example, protector consent. Uh, So I think it really just not only is it a powerful standalone model, it also integrates with everything else um, to make what is already uh, a strong approach to healing even that much stronger. I love how you just said that, that IFS is like a beautiful, like finishing salt, you know, to, to a meal. And because I did find that when IFS really found me in my practice, I was already like eight years into being a therapist. And, you know, so by that point, I'd experimented with a couple different modalities. I was doing a lot of, I'd say a mixture of, you know, traditional kind of talk therapy, person-centered with somatic work and resourcing, you know, like with meditation, yoga, I got, you know, yoga teacher certified and meditation, you know, certified. And then, but I always felt like there was something missing, you know, like all of those things are so beautiful. And I just always felt like, like there's just something missing. And Mm. I've told the story before, I think on the podcast, but it was in my yoga teacher training that the leader mentioned IFS. And at the time though, it kind of went over my head, you know, it was like, oh, that sounds interesting. You know, (laughs) in one ear, out the other. But I think it kind of stuck, like stuck a little bit, because then it was like maybe a year or so later that someone else came to me and had mentioned a resource, and in that resource was a little blurb about IFS. And when I read that, Mm. it was like that was the next thing that like made it stick, and parts of me got really curious. And then mm. I started seeking out, you know, trainings like on PEDSI and, and, and th- like the, yeah, like you were saying, like the two hour, three hour, you know, kind of introductory IFS trainings. And it was just like an avalanche and that you mentioned like the lightning bolt for you. It was, yes for me, it just felt like my whole system was like, this is it. This is, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yes, exactly. This is what we've been waiting for. So yes. yeah, I love again, like the, the finishing salt. Absolutely. And, but I will say though, it did take me, I don't know if you felt this within yourself, 
you know, cause you had been practicing for, I'm assuming a while before, you know, IFS found you. And like you said, you had these different modalities for me, what I had noticed, and I'm still, you know, I'm still, I feel like continuously working with this is inviting that integration mm-hmm. in a way that really feels balanced and like makes sense. Right. So for when yes. I first found IFS, parts of me kind of like completely pushed away all the other things mm-hmm. that I was doing and just really yeah. immersed myself in IFS for, I'd say probably like a year or more. Mm-hmm. And then as I started to feel, you know, I got level one trained and then I got level two trained. And then, you know, you start to, obviously you're doing it and you start to feel more comfortable with it. And now I'm starting to feel more of that openness and flexibility of weaving it in again with like meditation movement, you know, and uh, that's where I, I think now my system yeah feels more trusting and open to, I love again, like talking with people about, yeah. So how do you integrate IFS into your already existing world? So the way you yeah. describe that for you makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Well, I don't know if you found this to be true. I certainly did. I noticed that so much of my training as a helper, a helping professional, as well as just so much of the messaging from our culture, from my religious, you know, experience, so much of that messaging um, was move against Hmm. that the solution to whatever we're struggling with, to things we don't like about ourselves, to things we don't like about other people, um, is to move against it, to try to force it to stop. And so we get that, um, you know, in a counseling setting, if someone comes into our office, they're usually bringing something that they want to get rid of. They want Mm -hmm. to stop whatever this particular thing is. They want to Uh, And you can hear in the language that we use, I want to conquer my anxiety. I want to overcome my depression. I want to defeat my eating disorder or my addiction. We use this very warring language. And I noticed that the same was true um, in our culture, in our society, uh, even in some religious or meditative practices where we would use sort of spiritual or religious language or behavior to try to move against certain feelings that were deemed uh, unholy. (laughs) Like if we were experiencing fear, for example, uh, or worry that those things were not okay or were sinful. And we use these kind of meditative or spiritual practices to try to force them to go away. And certainly in our larger culture, you don't have to spend a lot of time turning on the headlines of CNN to see how we move against each other Mm -hmm. um, in the larger culture. And what I observed is that moving against the parts of ourselves or the parts of others that we don't like is actually making our suffering worse. Mm -hmm. It's accomplishing the opposite of what it's trying to accomplish. And what IFS um, sort of landed home with me is that it teaches us to do the very counterintuitive thing of moving toward all parts of ourselves, Mm -hmm. even and especially the parts of ourselves that are doing or feeling the things that are the most painful, the most difficult for us. And what I found is that we are much more effective in, in interacting with other people when we first move toward our own parts 
and gain a little access to what IFS calls um, that core self energy before we then try to turn toward others, that we can turn toward others wisely only when we have moved toward the parts of ourselves that are struggling first. Mm-hmm. And that felt really important to me because it's a deeply compassionate, loving um, approach that's really at the heart of internal family systems, uh, IFS that we've been talking about. And for I don't know if your listeners all are really familiar with the model, but for those who aren't, IFS, it's kind of simple, but not easy, um, just teaches us that we all have an undamaged core self that is really the seat of the, the, the divine within us. It's unbroken. It has the power to heal. And then it's very normal. We all have many different parts. And sometimes our parts become burdened or covered over because they've experienced negative experiences in life. And we have vulnerable parts that are called exiles, and they're in a lot of pain. And we've got uh, protectors that are proactive and reactive. The proactive ones try to prevent the pain of the exiles. Those are called managers. And the reactive ones try to put the pain out. And those are called firefighters. So it's really Mm -hmm. these four parts. And what Dr. Richard Schwartz discovered is that all parts of us are actually good, even when they're stuck in behaviors or feelings that are not good. Mm -hmm. And that when we actually welcome them rather than moving against them, it helps them to heal much more successfully than trying to get rid of them or lock them in the basement or beat up on them and pathologize them. And it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful movement. Yeah, it is. And I think that's what my system was really trying to adjust to. So I love Mm -hmm. that you just brought this up, this, this idea that a lot of, I feel like therapy practices and ways Mm -hmm. in which our culture looks at what we call parts, especially burden parts, is this move against energy. Because, and it absolutely makes so much sense to me, right? It's like, if something is happening within us, and it's having a negative impact, then I do feel like it's natural for our, you know, uh, chemistry biology to be like, oh, well, we need to get rid of that. We need to fight flight, right? Like, Let's either fight it or let's run away from it. And absolutely, I get people, you know, coming to me being like, I want to control my anxiety. I want to manage my depression, right? You know, because mm-hmm. they're suffering. There are parts of their, you know, that, that that are suffering with that polarization, that part that's stuck in that extreme role or behavior, you know, all the things, Right. And so it makes sense. And I look back at the way I did therapy before I knew anything about IFS. And again, positive intentions, right, of sharing with people various resources, you know, of, oh, you're feeling anxious. Let me give you all of these different techniques to help it soften or to Mm -hmm. help make it go away, go away, quote unquote, you know, or to help cover it up or basically get manager parts really activated to try and manage that other activation. Right. And yeah, that was a big shift for me Mm. from that space of like I said, that first eight years of my career kind of investing within, I think these parts within myself, again, great intention, good intention of trying to help someone 
you know, soften in their suffering. And though that was the thing that I was like, something's missing. Mm-hmm. There can be this temporary relief. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, utilizing some of these things in that way, but ultimately it wasn't healing anything because we're not getting to, like you were saying, the exiled part that's been pushed down and which is then making these protector parts being so activated in the way that they are, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's that's definitely been, I think, and I, I, I don't know if you still experience this, but I feel like when I introduce the model to clients, people that have come to me who aren't familiar with it already, I can see within them kind of, I feel like their manager parts get a little activated when I describe this in this way of, we're not going to, I'm not going to be giving you these different coping tools necessarily to help this go away. Let's, how do you feel about maybe, yeah, turning towards this, moving inwards? And would your system be open to connecting with that anxiety or that depression with curiosity? Mm. And sometimes, you know, you can see Mm. some parts within a person kind of get like, Oh, (laughs) you know, because they're not hearing that message. Like you said, like in our culture that sadly, that's not, that's not the message that we're receiving on a daily basis. I feel like is this message of, yeah, let's turn towards each other and inside ourselves with this compassion, this openness, this curiosity. I feel like, yeah, right now it's just this energy of, yeah, move against and that's not healing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that um, it's such a relief when all the different parts of us hear that we're not going to fight them Mm -hmm. and that they're all valuable and they're all good, that we're not going to take sides internally because the brilliant insight, one of the many that Dick had in, in this model finding him um, is that symptoms, the suffering we experience are a result of our inner parts being at war with each other. One part of me wants to eat all the cookies and another part of me wants me to go to the gym and eat kale. And those two parts are at war. And I tend to side with one or the other, and then it takes over and the other one feels unseen, unvalued, and then it takes over and pushes back. And I work with addiction. That's my area of specialization. And we see this all the time in addiction treatment. We We align with the part that wants sobriety, typically against the part that is trying to bring soothing or relief or whatever it is with the acting out. We try to kick out or lock in the basement, the part that's acting out. And after a little bit, it goes, I'll show you. Um, And it bursts out. And this is why we have such high rates of chronic relapse in our uh, approach to addiction treatment currently. Mm. Uh, Because I think that when all we're doing is adding to the warring inside of us, we are, we are not actually providing healing. We may, we're providing a temporary behavioral shift, uh, what we might call first order change, but the second order change is not happening. In other words, it's not really from the inside out. We're trying to force change from the outside in. And that's why I felt that the IFS approach was so powerful, but uh, it seems simple. There's really these four kind of components of the model, self, exiles, managers, firefighters. And as you know, as anyone who's gone through IFS training knows, uh, it gets complex very quickly. Uh, it takes on average, I know we say in trainings, three years 
to really fully for this model to fully sink in and to have mastery. And right now there's 11,000 people on the waiting list to get drawn in a lottery to apply to a level one training. Mm -hmm. Um, There's lotteries for all three levels. I had the incredible privilege of going through before it was this difficult to get trained. And I was trained by Dick and I just, um, I have so much gratitude for that. It's not easy and uh, it seems simple, but it's not easy. And there's a lot of barriers to access. And yet the underlying concept to me seems very profound, which is why I wanted to sort of uh, create a little bit of a, a shorthand, a quick start IFS tool that people could use, um, you know, clinicians who are waiting to get into a training or clients who are doing IFS therapy and they want to check in with their parts between session, but they just don't know the whole IFS model or they can't keep track of it or whatever it might be. Um, which is why I tried to encapsulate um, kind of the main parts of the model, not the trauma healing parts, not what we would call unburdening, um, but just the, the main spirit of the model in three words, which is the, the, the shorthand tool that I call move toward. And the three words are just notice, know, and need. And most of us can remember notice, know, and need. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier than remembering the whole IFS model. Mm-hmm. And when we're triggered, when we're having a difficult time, when we are facing a panic attack or depression or the urge to act out or binge eat or whatever it might be, we need something quick and handy that we can implement and use right away. Um and so that's sort of the heart behind this shorthand tool uh, that I have wanted to offer to the people who are excited about the model. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I mentioned at the start of this, you know, I had heard about your model from a podcast interview that you did with Tammy on her podcast called The One Inside. And when I heard you talk about this, the move toward and the shorthand, I yeah, parts of me got really excited about it because it is difficult, or at least I had found it difficult sometimes to have that conversation with clients that I was working with about how to really connect and invite connection with their parts outside of session. As you know, yeah, when they're sitting with us, we're a guide and we Mm -hmm. have the model in our mind and we're able to help guide them in connecting with these beautiful parts. And And then, you know, but they're only with us for, for some people, sometimes 50 minutes a month, you know, maybe twice, twice a month. And that's a lot of time of living Mm -hmm. life and being with your parts, you know, with your system and parts getting activated, parts getting triggered, parts being polarized. Right. And if you don't feel like you have a grasp on how to pause and move towards and turn inside on your own, then that's where it can get frustrating, you know, for someone doing this work. And so, yeah, do you care to, to dive into a little bit more detail about this shorthand that people can use to connect with their parts? Absolutely. Um, My hope is it'll be very simple. And one of the advantages to this uh, little quick start tool is that you don't have to know what kind of a part you're working with. And that's a real advantage because in the full IFS model, we work with exiles and protector parts um, differently. And it really matters kind of what we're doing um, and in what order. 
but because this is not designed to be deep work, it's, it's designed to be kind of um, creating some self to part uh, attachment with a part that, that we're wanting to get to know, or that may be triggered. Um, we can use this with any part. And so let's take, for example, um, a part that wants to binge eat all the Girl Scout cookies. Uh, so there's there's a box of Thin Mints in the kitchen and um, come into the kitchen after a long day of work and notice this desire to eat the whole box of Girl Scout cookies. Um, so what typically might happen is either the part that wants to binge eat will take over and eat the whole box and then the guilt and shame and internal critic part will take over and start yelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're such a flat, fat slob. What's the matter with you? You blah, right. blah, blah. Um, or we get a manager part up that's like, don't look at those cookies, put them in the freezer. Maybe we should give them to the neighbor and then you can't eat them. You can have one cookie only after you eat all your kale. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have these parts that go to war with each other. And then all we can think about is the cookies. And so what we might do instead is just notice like, gosh, what am I noticing coming up in me right now? I'm really noticing a lot of ruminating thoughts about how good those cookies are going to taste. I'm noticing like my heart rate is increasing and I'm feeling this like urge in my hands to go open the box. I can almost feel the box opening. So that's the noticing stage. How's this showing up for me? You know, how am I noticing it? And we stay with that stage until we can notice it with even just a little bit of open-heartedness, a little curiosity. Um, We don't want to be noticing it with anger uh, because that's just, you know, our parts at war. But we want to just stay with the noticing until we start to get a little bit of open-heartedness, a little curiosity. And once we have that, then we can ask the part, what do you want me to know about why you got triggered right now? So we just get to know this part and, and what it is trying to tell us. So, okay, part that wants to eat the cookies. I see you in my brain ruminating about opening the box, I feel you in my heart rate and in my hands. What do you want me to know about why you jumped up and took me over right now? And then we don't try to figure it out. We just sort of wait to see if anything comes up. It's okay if nothing comes up, but often something does. And so we might sort of notice some awareness of how stressful the day of work has been and um, maybe starting work quite early, not having time to really take a full lunch. And, and, you know, we may get the sense that this cookie eating part is really trying to help us have some nurturing and sort of self-soothing after a really long, stressful day where a lot of physical needs were not well met. So once we learn kind of whatever this part wants us to know about why it got triggered, then we can just simply ask the part, what do you need right now? from me to feel just a little less activated, a little more comforted because you and I know what the part needs is not the cookies, right? What it needs uh, is, is something much deeper. And so if we just ask this part, what do you need from me right now to be just a little bit less activated? We might get a sense that the part says, I need you to have some better boundaries around your work-life balance. It's not real good right now. I need you to take a full lunch hour, go outside, breathe fresh air and eat a healthy, nutritious lunch. Um, And if you could do that, I wouldn't have to take you over at the end of the day like this. 
And so we might, you know, okay, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to set this intention to, you know, expand, you know, take a lunch break, eat something nutritious. How is that for you? And what we might get is that's okay. But right in this moment, I still want cookies. Right. I can say, okay, well, maybe we could have two cookies and then put the box away because I've made this commitment to you that I'm really going to change what it is you're actually trying to help me with, which is healthy self-care. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so what these three simple steps are doing, first of all, it takes a whole lot less time than if we actually just ate the whole box of cookies and then shamed ourselves for it. Right. Um And it is what we're doing in these three steps uh, is we're creating a little bit of in the notice step, we're creating a little uh, unblending where we're helping the part to separate out and, and that core self energy to come forward so that we have a little bit of self to part, healthy attachment relationship that's connecting. And then we're in the second step, notice or no, I'm sorry, what do you want me to know about you? We're really doing some witnessing of the part. Hey, Mm -hmm. what's going on for you? Tell me about why you got triggered right now. You know, where did you first learn how to feel this way or do this thing? We're getting to know the part we're witnessing it. Yeah. And then need is this step that's really providing what the actual need of the part is. The actual need of the part is not the cookies. It's not the drugs. It's not the alcohol. It's not the shoes. It's not the, whatever the part is trying to do the Mm -hmm. Facebook, the Netflix, the actual need of the part um, is underlying that. And it may be nurture or self-soothing or connection or um, Mm -hmm. relaxation. Uh, So we're really identifying what the actual need is and meeting that rather than the part taking over and trying to meet the need in the unhelpful way that it always does. And so um, just that those three, three little steps, notice, no need help us to move toward our own parts um, with, with curiosity and compassion. Right. Yeah. And and again, I feel like it's so it's easy to remember, which is great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Notice, no need. And it can really, like you said, encapsulate kind of the model in these three different steps, like the noticing, like for me, I think about like your example with the cookies, you know, sometimes it's not even noticing before it even happens. Sometimes it's noticing as it's happening, right? Like actually reaching for the cookies (laughs) or opening (laughs) up, opening up that box and then like eating one and then reaching for another. And then maybe it's in that moment, you know, that Mm -hmm. someone might notice it and then, or maybe it's after the fact, right? Like you do eat the whole box of cookies and then other parts get activated that are maybe shaming that or, you know, being really critical and it's bringing awareness to, to all of that. Right. And I do feel like this, just even the noticing, I feel like it does take practice Mm -hmm. because it is in a blended state where that part could be getting activated and then we're just doing it right. Like we are just engaging in the eating of the cookies. And when we say blended, it's basically like when a part's energy is kind of the one leading driving the bus, right? So Mm -hmm. the part that is bringing up the idea of eating the cookies and then we're eating all the cookies. Okay. That's that part, right? Like doing its thing and 
and there's not maybe a lot of spaciousness there. And so I do feel Mm -hmm. like the whole notice part can take some practice sometimes. And of course, depending on which part is getting triggered, is getting activated. Exactly. And so I, I, I do want to mention that as well, because I feel like, you know, even with myself in this work, and also when I, I talk about it with other clients, it's, it's having that grace, right. Of sometimes you're not going to notice it until after the fact, you know, That's right. and then you can, like you said, like, is there spaciousness there to our openness to have some curiosity some compassion towards the part that took over and did what it did because it has a positive intention. Like you were saying the the cookie eating part, it it's wanting to soothe, let's say it's wanting to soothe that stress. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I wanted to mention that, I guess that like it is this, it's a practice, yeah. right? Cause we're not used to having this, this pivot, mm-hmm. this shift from a space of blendedness to unblendedness where it's like we're looking at this part of us as a part of us that's right and not just living life having moments of blendedness as this part exactly and just like the ifs model it's simple but not easy but there is a real distinction between what would be more of a mindfulness practice a traditional mindfulness practice and notice and the IFS approach because traditional mindfulness practices also encourage a non-judgmental noticing. But the difference is what happens after the noticing. Um, Traditional mindfulness encourages us to notice and release. IFS and move toward encourages us to notice and relate. Mm -hmm. So we are getting in relationship with these parts. We're not trying to get rid of them, release them, watch them float down the river, we're not doing any of that. It's, it's, we are getting in relationship um, with these parts so that they can have a secure, healthy attachment to our core authentic self. Mm-hmm. And so any one of these steps is a powerful step and it can be done at any point in the process. As soon as we get triggered or in the middle of a behavior or a feeling or afterwards, and any of those are are wonderful and helpful, even if we've already done the thing or felt the thing that we didn't want to do or feel. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I like, I appreciate that you brought up the connection with mindfulness because that was my meditation uh, instructor training was specifically in mindfulness meditation. And yes. so that as well has been something for me that it's been this, okay, how do we integrate these together? Because yeah, it has been that, oh yeah, and you notice the thought or the behavior or whatever it is, and then you invite it to release, right? Like a leaf on a stream or a cloud right. in the sky. And and again, it's that, all right, we're not really turning towards it. We're noticing it, but mm-hmm. then it's kind of got that energy of move against, right? Of like, okay, now let it go. Okay. And it's like, well, okay. Right. Maybe again, it's like a temporary and sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be helpful. And then Mm -hmm. this is with the no of, okay, you're noticing the part that's wanting you to eat the cookies. Okay. You've noticed it maybe as an action, maybe as a sensation in your body or a thought, you know, and then you turn towards it 
which that right there, I feel like is such a radical thing. As we talked about earlier, it's not a message that we've received. I feel like in our culture in our society and that I feel like can then let's say someone turn towards the part that's wanting to eat. That's telling them, okay, let's eat all the cookies. And they notice, like you said, maybe like anger or frustration or the critical part, you know, Mm -hmm. that's automatically shaming that one. And let's say the person notices all these different emotions. Mm -hmm. Uh, How would you recommend that then they address that so that maybe there can be some openness? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I speak to this in great detail uh, in the upcoming book, Altogether Us. I have the the second chapter of this book is the the move toward model that I'm presenting for the first time sort of in a published form. And I speak to all the different things that can come up. I have a troubleshooting guide oh, good. When, you, <laughs> when you try to notice, because there's lots of challenging things that can happen. Right. Um, so I've got a, a little takeaway troubleshooting guide, but in general, um, we can continue to move toward whatever else shows up. So if I'm trying to move toward the cookie eating part and I notice I'm angry at the cookie eating part, then I also move toward the angry part mm-hmm. and I welcome that part as well. And I recognize those are neither of those are who I am, but they are two different parts of me and they both have a positive intent. The one that's angry at the cookie eater doesn't want me to eat all the cookies because then I won't fit in my pants. Um, and the cookie eater uh, wants to try to help, you know, soothe because I've been overworking. So we, we really develop this, um, this strength and this muscle, this habit of noticing with compassion and curiosity. But what is really important to say, and uh, in IFS, as well as with move toward is that move toward does not mean anything goes. Um, so All parts welcome, which is an IFS phrase, does not mean all behaviors are welcome. And this is really, really critical because what we are not saying is that the behavior that the part is engaged in or the feeling that it's feeling is good or is okay. We're not saying that at all. And we're also not saying just sort of let people harm you like all of other people's parts that we should move toward those. That's not it at all. What we are saying is that for our own parts, no matter how damaging, no matter how hurtful their feelings or behaviors are, when we move toward them with curiosity and compassion, not saying what they're doing is okay, but um, saying that the most effective way to help them heal is by getting in relationship with them. C. Sykes, who is just a phenomenal lead trainer with IFS works a lot with addiction and eating disorders. She has this phrase, we're getting in relationship, not getting in control. Mm. Um, And when we get a relationship with these parts that are carrying these heavy burdens of painful feelings or behaviors, we are most effective in helping them to truly transform. Mm -hmm. So we move toward our own parts in order to help them transform behaviors and feelings that are not okay. So the panic attack, the cutting, the suicidal ideation, the binge eating, the alcoholism, these are not okay. They're not good. Mm -hmm. Um, But the most effective way to help them transform is to move toward them rather than to move against them. But it, 
we need to move toward all of our own parts, which allows those parts to sort of calm down and give us a little space so that we can connect with that authentic self inside of us before we can wisely turn toward the parts of other people that are damaging. Mm -hmm. So move toward is what we do with our own parts or with our clients parts. If we're in a helping role, turn toward is what we do to people outside of us. And this is really critical because I work in the addiction field and often with partners and um, partners struggle a lot with boundaries. So if they're in a relationship with someone who is engaged in hurtful or damaging or betraying behavior, um, what we want to do is help partners turn, move toward all the parts of themselves, the parts that want to leave the, and the parts that want to stay, the parts that want to be intimate and the parts that don't ever want that person to touch them again, like all the different parts at war so they can get some self energy on board. And then they can wisely from self assess what's happening with this other person who has dangerous parts, maybe parts that betray or parts that act out or parts that blame shift or gaslight. And it's only from the space of self that we can have wisdom to accurately discern what's going on with someone else and accurately set and hold wise boundaries when someone else's parts are not safe or are not honoring of mm -hmm. us. And what happens is we get wonky when people are doing harmful things, whether it's in an interpersonal relationship or culturally, if there's, um, you know, uh, objectification of a certain group of people, or if there's um, oppression or marginalization, um, it's uh, ourself is the place from which we advocate for justice, for um, equality. It's the place from which we can set and hold healthy boundaries. And we can't get there until we move toward our own parts. Mm -hmm. And we have self um, as the leader of our internal system. That's the place of our strength, our clarity, and that's the place from which our boundaries are effective. Um, right. Parts do not do not have the ability to implement wise and healthy boundaries, and that's why a lot of partners uh, or people who are being harmed get really sideways with boundaries because parts throw out mm -hmm. um, threats, manipulation, things that they wish were boundaries, but they're not willing to follow through on, and as a result, it it exacerbates uh, their suffering. Yeah. So we want to move toward before we turn toward. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. And, mm -hmm. and that takes again, practice and, yes, and it does take energy and effort, right. To, right. cause again, it's so it, it's, and I, I, I was about to say like, it's, it's easier to just be in a blended state because again, I think that's just how culturally we've been kind of taught is you're just in these various blended states with these different parts. And then, you know, there's various impacts and then we get confused on or feel out of control of, of why we're experiencing those various negative impacts. And so this, I keep, I always kind of call IFS this radical I always use the word radical because I do feel like it is, you know, I do feel like it has this radical energy because it's so, again, different than culturally what we've been taught. And, and it's also so beautiful that we can bring this awareness 
to, instead of maybe pointing fingers, which Mm -hmm. is also an easy thing to do, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, it's this person's fault or they need to change. They need to do this. And those things might be true in in some Mm -hmm. instances. And it's like, okay, and let's turn first. Let's move towards what's inside of you, what's inside of us, what's inside of me and get to know, like you're saying, all these various parts that are getting triggered, that are polarized with each other, that are having a negative impact, you know, in other Mm -hmm. ways within the person's life. And then, I mean, if everyone could practice this, which is again, Mm -hmm. why I love your shorthand, but it's like, if if we could all learn this and practice this, I truly do feel like it could change the world. Mm. And a part of me, every time I say that, it's like, that's so corny, but I do feel like it's true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do feel like it's true. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's because IFS has captured a um, an eternal truth that that is transformational. And I do believe, I mean, there's nothing about what I've sort of thrown together in these three words that is not 100% um, paying homage to Dick Schwartz and his brilliance. Um, so anything that the shorthand does is really because IFS does this, but IFS taps into a deep and eternal truth that is radical in Western culture, but not so much in some indigenous um, cultures. And it is really the heart of most spiritual traditions. If we Mm -hmm. really go to the heart of them, of non-judgmental love and compassion. And so it's radical to our Western contemporary minds um, because we are such a move against Mm -hmm. um, uh, very individualistic, um, uh, so many things right. <laughs> <laughs> that we could talk about in terms of our cultural legacy burdens. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it is, it taps into any, what I, what I believe to be an eternal truth that really is transformational and it is simple, but not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dick has found a way to tap into it. it that creates tangible application so that we can actually transform. It's not this sort of, Oh, pie in the sky, you know, love my enemies, welcome myself, accept myself. Okay. How am I supposed to do that? No, Dick has found a way to make it concrete so that we can actually take concrete steps to do those things. And when we do, it does change the world. It does. Yeah, Yeah, it really does. And I had had one more question in regards to the last uh, step of need. Mm -hmm. And I, and when I asked this question, it's, I don't feel like this happens a lot, but I feel like it could. And it does is let's say you've noticed the part you've asked it and befriended it, witnessed it, you know, what does it want you to know? And then you ask it, what do you need from me? Right. Cause I feel like that's key, right? It's like, you're not asking what do you need? Cause then it could say, oh, well, I need this person over here to do blah, 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 blah. Right. It's like, you're asking it, what does it need from me, the person, but let's say the part responds with well, I need you to eat that whole box of cookies, mm-hmm. you know, or I need you to, I don't, I need you to quit your job. Yeah. I, I need you to, you know, something maybe more extreme. Extreme. Yeah. And so yeah. I guess parts of me are curious of, and maybe that's something you talk about in the book in terms of, mm. your, um, but what do you, what do you have to say, I guess, about that? If someone is, you know, starting this method and 
this way of turning towards and they do experience a part that's like, yeah, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And it's not necessarily something that is a, maybe realistic or B Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it wouldn't be as helpful. The person's realizing. So yeah. How would you, how would you, I guess, remedy that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great question. And uh, if the person has really, um, done the noticing with open-heartedness, done the know, what do you want me to know? And there's some relationship built there that is bringing on board self-energy and self always knows the right thing to say. So at that point, if there's some self-energy on board, I don't need to worry about, you know, telling people what they should or shouldn't say because self will intuitively know. So if a part says, I need you to eat the whole box of cookies. Self is likely to respond. I hear you, sweet one. You are really trying to bring some nurture to me with these cookies. Um, Maybe we could eat two of them. And is there anything else that you need from me? What else do you need? So self is going to, because it is uh, intuitively our deep source of wisdom and healing, um, that, that authentic self or in some spiritual traditions would be called the Buddha nature or the, the God image or the spirit. It is going to know far better than I might what someone's part needs to hear. And very often in my experience, parts don't ask for that. Um, what they often ask for is things like, could I have a hug? Um, These parts have been rejected, pushed away, beat up on for so long that quite often they just internally want the experience of just being able to be held by self, like just sort of in a, in a, in an internal experience. Sometimes they'll say things like, I want you to think about what I'm telling you when you're planning your work week next week. Like, I'm going to have to keep taking over and eating all the cookies if you don't really show up and and lead this system a little more effectively instead of letting the worker parts take over all the time. Um, So I find that when there is self-energy on board, the conversation will go where it needs to go. The more assistance is needed in getting self-energy on board and self will know if a part wants something extreme um, that they might be able to offer um, you know, a compromise or ask and underneath that, what do you really need from me right now? How can I best care for you? Yeah, um, it's really you. an attachment repair. Right. Is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree that what you said of typically parts don't respond in those extreme ways. Yeah. I've, I, I guess I asked that question because I've had other people ask me that before, if, before they've yeah. tried it, you know, of, of parts yeah. of them, I feel like trying to prepare yeah. and kind of have that understanding of like, but what if, you know, what if it yes. responds with this? Like, what do I do? And it is just kind of that felt sense of when you are connecting with self-energy, mm-hmm. it typically doesn't, like you said, the parts don't typically say you need to do that and you need to blah, blah, blah. You know, right. it's more of, like you said, like, I, I need that hug. I need time to connect with you, you know, yeah. in this way, like we're doing right now. And, mm. or yeah, I need I need more time to rest or, you know, and then it's like the self is that kind of that, that leader of, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm taking all this in and how then can I make this 
in reality. You know, yeah. how might this make sense? Like you said, like and if a part does say like, oh, well, let's eat this whole sleeve of cookies. It could be like, okay, like you said, let's eat two and see how that feels. Yeah. And I think p- part of the brilliance of the IFS model is, is the discovery that um, burdened parts don't like the burden that they're carrying. They've gotten stuck underneath this burden because of negative life experiences, but it isn't what they truly want to be doing. When they realize self is there and can handle the situation, they don't want to be carrying the burden they're carrying. So the part that's gotten stuck having to eat all the cookies to try to get some kind of a relief, uh, it doesn't actually want to be doing that. And usually when we really get to know these parts, and if we're doing the deeper IFS work in clinical settings, what we discover is when we ask these parts, if you didn't have to be trying to help in this way by eating all the cookies, what would you rather be doing instead? And 10 times out of 10, there's something completely different, often the complete opposite that they would prefer to be doing. So when we get them in relationship with self and we really ask them, what do you need? How can I be here for you? It's very rarely that they're gonna answer with do this burden job that I've been stuck with, Mm -hmm. eat all the cookies, suicide, um, drink all the wine, they don't like or want to be doing that. They think there's no other choice. And yeah. the presence of self is a deep relief to these parts. And usually what they need is presence. They need attachment and that's what self can provide. So we're really getting to a heart level. It drops down from a behavioral level to a heart level. And we're helping mm-hmm. self and parts connect heart to heart and core to core. Yeah. And that's intrinsically healing and transformational. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a beautiful yeah. way of, of just describing that just now that you're right. They, they've been forced into these roles because of the burdens that they're connected to. And, and you're right. It's like, when you ask these parts, what would you rather be doing? It, it's, it's so beautiful to hear what they share mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's typically something complete opposite a lot of the time of what they've been yeah. forced to be doing. And yeah. And to have that connection and that relationship with them in that way, self part, it's just, it can really invite that opportunity then for that spaciousness and then for that healing and for that, that freedom for that part, not have to be stuck in that extreme type of role. And that mm-hmm. is so freeing. <laughs> yeah, so freeing. it is. Yeah. yeah. IFS helps us to know that people are not their parts. Right. And and parts are not their burdens. Mm. And that's why we can truly say all parts of all people are welcome, even mm. if what they're feeling or doing is not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That like you just said, yeah, parts are not their burdens, that there is a positive intention in there. And by turning towards and being with and getting to know what they want us to know, we can start to understand that, that positive intention (laughs) rather than maybe just seeing the negative impact, you know, that's, that's there. Yeah. Thank you so much for running through that. And I feel like we could talk a lot longer about Mm -hmm. all these things and I'm excited for the, the book to come out. It, it, you said before we hit record that 
the book should be out on Amazon paper book in August. Correct. Yes. Altogether Us is uh, the upcoming integration, IFS integration book and the pre-order, which is only available in Kindle ebook is available now. So if you go on Amazon and put in Altogether Us, you'll see the pre-order. The paper book will be available in August. We don't have a specific date yet, but we're really looking forward to that. I think the paper book is going to be phenomenal because each chapter I've invited 30 leading IFS experts, starting with Dr. Richard Schwartz writing the first chapter and Dr. Frank Anderson and Chris Burris and Susan McConnell and C. Sykes. And we just have a powerhouse lineup of authors. Um, and uh, each, each chapter that is written by a different contributor or group of contributors is integrating IFS with a specific topic. So EMDR, somatic, um, addictions, couples, adoption, um, we've got a whole uh, intersectionality chapter on using IFS with Black clients, Native American clients, Asian Pacific Islander clients, clients that are neurodivergent, clients dealing with sexual orientation, clients dealing with gender identity. Um, so it is incredibly comprehensive, very exciting. And each chapter is written in a highly applicable way so that the goal is that you'll be able to read this chapter and we've got key takeaways at the end of every chapter that you can just pull those right out and start using them. And many chapters have like tear out sheets that you can use to, you know, use as a, as a worksheet or um, uh, like, for example, the Latinx chapter has a in Spanish and English, um, a whole culturally sensitive um interview for new clients, a uh, mm. 40 question questionnaire that you can rip out and, and use with your clients, both in English and in Spanish. Um, so there's a lot of real hands-on tangible uh, guides and application points that can be used. And then there, each chapter has also a going deeper section where people who are interested in that, for example, our polyvagal chapter, uh, has a whole, you know, section on more information from that author and then from other sources as well. Books, workbooks, podcasts, websites. So people who are interested know where they can go to get other wonderful resources. And mm -hmm. what uh, many of our authors have really had such success with their chapters that they're getting ready to write or are in the process of writing full-scale books, mm -hmm. um, as a result of their chapter. Some have gone the other way around. So Susan McConnell uh, and Chris Burris have already written the book and their mm -hmm. chapter is a more condensed version of that. But um, for others, the, uh, the book is forthcoming. So it's a really, really exciting um, constellation of brilliant thinkers. And it's been a real privilege to be um, the editor and publisher of this new book. And I cannot wait for it to be available in August. I hope yes. it'll really be a, a blessing to the community. That, yeah, I'm so excited. Parts of me are like, Ooh, that sounds so fun. I love that you've included and encouraged the, the, the writers of each chapter to include like some tear out stuff. Cause I think that's great, especially for helpers, you know, help, you know, in the mental health field that can actually, they're actually going to be utilizing some of this information, like with uh, clients and patients and things like that. That's great. So very excited yes. that that will be included. That's wonderful. So yeah, be on the lookout for 
that release in August. And and like you just said, Jenna, that people can already go ahead and go on Amazon and purchase it for the Kindle ebook and all of that. So yes, I'm excited to get that in my hands and dive into all of that. Because as you were listing off those various topics, I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And of course, there's many more than what I what I listed. Right. There. Um, yeah. And a percentage of the proceeds is going to be, I'm very excited. Uh, we have a partnership with the IFS foundation and a percentage of our profits are going to be going to fund the wonderful work they're doing with the foundation fellows, providing, um, access to IFS training and leadership development for individuals from traditionally marginalized communities. So that feels just really, um, just, uh, you know, just such a privilege to be able to be in mm-hmm. partnership with the foundation's good work there. That's great. Yeah, that's really yeah. beautiful. And as we wrap this up today, do you care to share with the listeners what type of services, resources, things like that, that you yourself provide within your business, your practice, things that people can either connect with you uh, with consultation or resources on your website? any of that stuff. Absolutely. So people are welcome to meet with me on my website, movetoward.com. And I have a ton of free IFS resources, videos, meditations, podcasts, everything that people might be interested in there. Uh, Folks can also find me. I have lots of free uh, move toward guided meditations on insight timer. Um, And also I'm uh, integrated with the center S E N T U R IFS app. Uh, that that's an exciting partnership. And mm-hmm. if people are interested in um, kind of connecting further, they can text my name, Jenna, J-E-N-N-A to five, five, four, four, four. And um, that will connect them to a whole bunch of free resources, guided meditations and other things that uh, that's an easy way to connect with me. So texting Jenna to five, five, four, four, four. That's really neat. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. The website, the book link and the texting. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me, Natalie. It's been great to chat with you today. Thank you so much, Jenna. Yeah. For sharing and and talking through this, this wonderful model and this shorthand. And again, so excited for the book to come out and thank you again for being on and connecting. Thank you. All right. Everyone, we will talk to you next time.